welcome to By Positive. These are your hosts, Mari and MD. And today we will be talking about the Kinsey scale. We've gotten some questions and comments about about it uh, on our Twitter account, so we figured might as well dedicate an episode to it. Um, so the Kinsey scale is probably the most used measure for sexuality. I think it's the most well known. It's the most well known. It's the oldest, insofar as it, you know measures quantifiable variable of homosexuality. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but anyway, it comes from 1948. It was first published in Sexual Behavior in the Human Male by um, Kenzie himself. Um, and what he did, he interviewed a bunch of people, almost a thousand, like a lot of people, thousands? <laughs> I don't know, thousands of people, uh, about their sexual histories. And so there is no test for the Kinsey scale. All of these findings are based on the interviews. And then they what they did is they divided up the extent of homosexuality into categories <laughs> from zero to six, with zero being exclusively heterosexual, um, meaning no contact, and I assume also no fantasies about the same yeah. gender, and then exclusively homosexual would be a six, and then the three would be equally heterosexual and homosexual, which is kind of problematic, a formulation. Yeah. But it was, I mean, from 1948, yeah. and it was very interesting because it was the first, one of the first time in like in modern science mm. that you would um, introduce the idea that you could be something that is not heterosexual or or homosexual. So that mm. was really, I mean, that was something really interesting back yeah. then. It's problematic. Uh, yes, also it's because of the formulation, um, but also because it's centered about sex. Yeah, and things are a little bit more complicated than the, the sexual uh, experimentation you might have or not have. Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, we know today that um, identity is not just about uh, who you have sex with. <laughs> it's, more, it's more complex than that. And um, another thing to add to the scale is that it also assumes that everyone has sex and everyone has sexual desires, mm -hmm. uh, which as we know is not the case. And so that category was added a little later. It was an X on yeah. the scale. Yeah. However, it still kind of alienates, I think, anything but basically straight and exclusively gay people with some variety. My issue is we both and everyone very well knows that when you're bisexual, you don't really identify as equally heterosexual and homosexual. So using these as categories that kind of follow a spectrum but there's only two of them really that are being mm -hmm. measured that's problematic it but it's it's also it's just going back to the idea that it's all about okay sex yeah so who do you want to have sex with and do you have who do you have sex with yeah and basically and like based on the those people um, personal history it's more about who do you have sex with yeah and we know that today that identity is not about that you can have people that are very sure of their identity as a sexual minority mm. and never have and they never had sex with anyone yeah it's just that they're this um like identity centered mm -hmm. uh, way uh, reflection centered way of developing your, your identity as a sexual minority where you're going to reflect on what you feel on your attraction uh, on how you see yourself in the future and you just you know, you feel what's right. You mm. don't need, you, you know who you are attracted to. Mm. You don't need to do it. Yeah. <laughs> and you have some people who experiment a lot, but turn out to be straight. Yeah. Because they are willing to try and they realize it's not their thing. Yeah. It's, so it's it's not that simple. And, and, it's, and it's, yeah, the formulation itself 
is a little problematic. But again, Kinsey in 1948, mm. at the time it was already <laughs> very progressive. And it's still a pretty useful tools because when you do research, sometimes you need tools that measures the art, that measures what you want to measure. Even and they always will be imperfect. Mm. They have the reality of life, the 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 shades of gray, the fact that we ne don't necessarily uh, fit into categories, and then there's research. Yeah. And for research, you sometimes have to put people into categories just to actually be able to conduct the research. Yeah, and you know the the, the scale was developed to make the point that um, sexual attraction is not static. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's more of a longitudinal kind of thing. But, you know, you can't really... The way I see it, when you get a score on the Kinsey scale, mm -hmm. that categorizes you at a fixed point in time. Yeah. And so that puts you in a box. Yeah. And if you... Like, I, I, I can tell you that when I took it first as, like, in, in my early teens... Mm -hmm. I was, one of the tests. Yeah, one of the tests. Um, I think I was like a two, mm -hmm. so predominantly heterosexual, but more than incidentally homosexual. And now whenever I take it, it's like between three and four. Yeah. So it's it's a matter of, of how do you measure it? When do you measure it? Are you qualified to measure it? Because I assume that most of the researchers involved in the creating of this scale mm -hmm. were straight men. <laughs> I think that's pretty safe to assume. Yeah. With like a, a couple of uh, of exceptions, yeah. so how are, how are they qualified to classify people based on their sexual histories? No, it's yeah, it's very complex. And then the tests we're co we're taking today's yeah. today are not actually the tests that were used to create the scale. Yeah, because it was not a test. Yeah. Um. So is that test actually serious or not? Yeah. It's you know, and those questions are very straightforward. I think sometimes you can just look at the scale, say where I'm at. Yeah. And the thing is, as you said, you can say where you are at in time at one moment in time, but things mm. can evolve. And even if we like go into that the bisexual spectrum mm -hmm. and in and, 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 uh, as an umbrella term, um, you not necessarily always a three, yeah, depending yeah. on where you're at in your life, yeah. uh, who your partner is, yeah. uh, because you can be super attracted uh, to one partner, uh, and so therefore other type of attraction are just like background information at that point. Mm. It's uh, it's really it's really um, it's an interesting tool, as I said, but has to be put into, into a certain context to understand what it is. Yeah, and I, I think another thing that's to be added at this point in time is that this generation, the millennials and everyone who came after, are much quicker to identify as not straight. Yeah. So they might skew, I guess, mm -hmm. the, the, the bell curve mm. towards more like the, the middle, the, mm -hmm. the equally mm -hmm. heterosexual and homosexual, whatever that means. So I feel like these categories need to be rethought Mm -hmm. um, also, to add fuel to the fire, I'm just gonna start a shit show. It's very Western. Oh yeah, it, it's a very Western take, a very binary take on sexuality, and that clearly comes from a very Western way of thinking. Um, so this scale might not actually be good to work with other populations oh, who yeah. are much more fluid in their gender identity, yeah. sexuality, and the way they relate to people. Yeah, even with the concept of um, of touch, you know. Male-to-male -male touch in Western society is mostly stigmatized, yeah. but in, in other cultures is much more welcome. Mm. So is that a homosexual behavior that already puts you as closer to the six? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's, no, it's, um, it's as you said, it's, uh, it's about culture. Mm. It's about culture, like, geographically, like where you are, are from in the world, but also your age. Yeah. Your generational culture, it changes a lot. And I think 
it's it's just uh, also um, it reflects that that, that the difficulty of being in that middle of the spectrum. It really reflects also what we know about you know the difficulties of bisexual identity building um, because yeah it's uh, there are research that shows that it's a little bit more complex because mm. it's very easy to be confused about your identity when you're bisexual. And I'm not talking about the stereotype of the confused bisexual. No, you confused. You need to make up your mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's just that, yeah, you have a lot of contradictory information mm. and social expectations. Yeah. And you're like, okay, also because there is expectation you're going to choose just one partner. So yeah. how can I deal with that? Mm. And if my sexual attraction at one point in time fluctuates, does it mean that I'm no longer bi? Doesn't mean that I'm straight or yeah. gay. I think that this um, that the, this issue around the Kinsey scale, you can really relate, um, associate that also connected with the uh, well, generally the issue of identity confusion for bisexual. Like, okay, what's happening with me sometimes? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I you know I think I think that's why the umbrella term of queer is so important. Not just because it's also easy to use when you don't really know what you are or you mm -hmm. don't want to use a label or whatever. Um, but also because it allows for much more fluidity mm -hmm. in society. Because when you say bi, you think too. When you say pan, you think all. When you say queer, you're like, oh, that's interesting. I don't know what that means. I guess it's everything and anything under the sun. Uh, mm -hmm. So in that regard, I really like the fact that the community has reappropriated the term um, mm -hmm. in a very different way than it was initially used. But it's it's it. I think it's much better than unfortunately dealing with semantics of well, if you're bisexual, then you're probably transphobic or something. Yeah, <laughs> no, it helps to use the word queer. It also helps sometimes when you feel a little bit lost with labels, mm. whether it's the beginning of your identity construction where you don't know yet what you are, or yeah. where you're further along and it's like maybe I'm outgrowing mm. that level. It's sometimes helpful. Uh, but I still, I mean, like, personally, the, the level is bisexual, clearly. Mm -hmm. I don't know, have you, um, have you ever been confused about your uh, identity? Uh, well, I've never been confused about being straight. <laughs> that was very clear. I, I don't, I, because I, I realized at such a young age, I don't think I really internalized the fact that I had to be straight. Mm -hmm. But my first impulse was, I'm a lesbian. Mm. which stayed with me for a while and then I was like nope okay still like guys kind of sort of when they're okay to look at <laughs> yeah no I I think politically I'm definitely much queerer than I am physically <laughs> um I the label of bisexual was a godsend to me mm -hmm. it was really really like it really hit home for me when I started to to try to find something to identify with and it just clicked, and yeah. that was me. And I never, ever thought pansexual was something I could identify as for some reason. Like, mm -hmm. it never stuck with me. I tend to use queer as well, interchangeably. Mm -hmm. But, I don't know, bi feels like home. Yeah, I understand that feeling. Mm. But it's interesting because we have... Um, well, identity construction were quite different mm. because I was in denial for a very long time, trying to think that I was straight, which I'm not. And um, so, uh, yeah, I, uh, I, I was trying to, to, I was in denial, trying to, to, uh, to convince myself that I was straight because it was what I expected. And also because I knew that I was into guys, mm. uh, genuinely. So I really didn't make, anything else didn't make much sense for mm. me. 
Uh, and then I started to realize that I was also attracted to women. It was really a self like self reflective, like really based on what I felt was an yeah. experimentation because I was already in a uh, committed relationship at that point. Mm. And in the end, um, finding the label of, of uh, bisexual was also really a godsend because it really just clicked mm. that, oh, okay, that's what I am and I don't have to let go of that side of me that likes men mm. to embrace also that other part. It's not the side of me. It's actually more a part of my sexuality, sex drive, libido, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Plus, with also the identity, uh, political identity that goes with it, yeah, it was uh, it was really a revelation. It really clicked, and so I didn't look for anything else because it clicked. Yeah, yeah, but it's interesting that you say that now queer mm-hmm. is sort of like the stepping stone, the yeah. confusion phase yeah. when you're still trying to work things out. When this is what people said bisexual was for such a long time. Yeah. So I feel like the label has grown up. It has matured. Yeah, it's matured. No, it has its own place. I'm, I'm more, no, but you know, it's more about my thing about label that um, sometimes you say, oh, I'm not into label because you are still figuring out. Mm. And it's easier to just use an umbrella term. Or say, I don't define my sexuality because, yes, it's a little bit scary yeah. to when it sinks in that you are not straight, which means that you are not like most people. You are abnormal in a statistical sense. Mm. Uh, that's scary when you first realize it. Yeah. And when you embrace it at one point. I mean, in the society in which we live, I mean, even here in the Netherlands, it's scary. Yeah. So there, there's a moment where you have to own that. And, and you might not want to use exactly a specific level at that point, but, you know, it's just about not using the, oh, I can't define, I want to put myself in a, in a box <laughs> as an excuse because you're still, like, you know, figuring things out. Yeah. It's completely normal that it takes time. Yeah. You need to be ready. And it's, it's not easy. So you, you need time to do that. And it's really not a problem. But sometimes your no-label thing is really just a defense mechanism. Yeah. And sometimes it's not. And it's generally when people are a lot more uh, sure of themselves and clear yeah. about actually being queer as in I'm different mm-hmm. and I'm okay with it. And also, I don't really fit into a box, and I'm okay with that. Mm. It's really different. And I know that when working with clients, you really feel the difference. Yeah, of course. You really feel the difference between the person that says, oh, no, I'm not into label, and say, okay, we're going to spend <laughs> six months working on our identity at least. <laughs> and the one who said, like, yeah, no, I'm, too, I'm not into labels, because and wh- you feel, okay, that's like we won't have to work that much on your, yeah. on your identity because it yeah. makes sense. And it's not about age. At no, all. it's not about age. I think it's just about the comfort of categorization in a way. Mm-hmm. Even though the categories are, of course, exclusive and different to every person. Like my queer may be different to your queer, to a diff- different to a different mm-hmm. person's queer. However, there is a reason why humans have language <laughs> and why we name things. Yeah. We find comfort in naming things because if we name it, it's no longer scary. It's something we own. It's uh, also you give it, you own it and it exists. It is, the like, mm. naming thing is also... Sometimes making it more real, like, yeah. like feel a little bit, you know, mm. frightening. Mm. But also because you dare to name it, mm. you're going to be able to c- not control it, mm. but at least yeah, own, own it. it. Yeah, yeah. It, this just reminds me of uh, Oscar Wilde mm-hmm. uh, when he was, you know, mm-hmm. on trial for mm-hmm. for having relationships with men. Mm-hmm. Um, in in one of his letters, he wrote about the. Uh, the love that dare not speak its name. Yeah. And that's exactly it. It's just the fact that if you name something, you have power over it. 
I mean, we should we could just make the the the, the connection with uh, with the name of God, mm. and especially uh, in Judaism. Yeah, you're not supposed to say the actual name of God yeah. because it's too much. You can't name it, mm. and when you name it, I mean, you don't know the consequences. Yeah, of course. Uh, and it's even like the written language mm. that you you don't have oils, like you don't actually don't really write them yeah. because you don't want to give the words too much power. Mm. Uh, but that in that situation, what we want to do is mm. is be empowered, and and be okay. That's who I am. I have a word for it, mm-hmm. and I'm not afraid of it. I'm not afraid of it, and it means to me what it means to me. It doesn't have to mean exactly the same thing that you no, have yeah. in mind. I mean, anyways, nothing means the same thing. I mean, we are. If we look at, at the sky and we say it's blue. We probably don't see the same thing. Probably not, no. So, I mean, very certainly we don't exactly see the same thing. Yeah. Uh, so, but we agree that it's blue, so it's okay. Now I'm wondering whether my blue is different to your blue. We have gone down <laughs> yeah. a tangent. But in any case, the bottom line is that if you want to call yourself bi, call yourself bi. If you're not sure, go nuts, invent your own label. But as long as you feel that it's right and it's not just something that you are coming up with on the spot because oh my god I need to have a label I yeah. need to I need to figure things out right here right now or I'm using a very overly complicated political label mm. as a way to defend myself against what I really feel yeah because again I mean we already talked about that but we come back to problem that is how I feel my impulses my drive who I am that I need to express and social expectations that even though it changes, are just very heteronormative. Yeah. And how do you combine that? How do you express yourself in that situation? Mm. And also thinking that you can't not express yourself and not really confront what it means to you. I mean, you can avoid it, mm. but it's going to come bite you in the ass. Yeah, <laughs> and then we'll have more work. So please don't give us more work. <laughs> we already have a lot. We already have a lot of work. Uh, so, what are your thoughts on the Kinsey scale? Is there a good alternative? Is there anything else that you might have taken or discovered that is better? We know that there are other scales out there, of course. Mm, of course. Um, but is there anything that fits better to what you identify as? And yeah. how do you discover your identity? How is it that you find a word that mm-hmm. clicks for you? Yeah, and um, I we're talking about scale, that the um, LGB scale, maybe we can put that in the comment, the one yeah. that I use for my research, is pretty good. Yeah. Expositive identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's um, and it's good because it's really, it really it takes also a, a positive spin on things. Mm. Like how positive is your identity, and yeah. how bad it is, is it? Yeah, because <laughs> God knows we need more positivity in our lives. Yes, by positivity. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> anyway, um, please hit us up on Twitter. Follow us. Follow us on SoundCloud and iTunes, and we will see you next time. Bye.